0: a series for Lent called, Transformed, Becoming True Disciples of Jesus Christ. The first installment today is Transformed Heart, and we'll be reading from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lent is a season of reflection in the Christian life, and this 40-day journey to Easter morning helps us take pause and really consider the meaning of our faith. As Christians, we have in some way come to the point in our life where we believe that Jesus was and is the Son of God, God on earth in human form, and that his death on the cross was the ultimate act of salvation for all humanity, including me and you personally. Somewhere in our faith journey, we have come to believe what we call the good news of Jesus Christ, that his love for us, for me, for you, knows no bounds, and that he gave his life so that we could live. Moreover, there is something deep inside each and every human soul that wants to believe that there is more to this life than just surviving that there is a way we can live life to the fullest, that we can face any challenge, any illness, any tragedy, or all the wrongs in the world with the confidence that nothing can shake us, that we have an ally that will see us safely through, that we're not alone in the world, that we are deeply and truly loved. We believe, or at least Hope that what people have been saying for over 2,000 years is true, that our hope, that yearning in our soul for abundant life, for love that never leaves us or never ends, came to us and is still with us in Jesus Christ. That glimmer of hope is living in you if you are here seeking the truth of Jesus. There is a deep sense of this truth that gives you peace if you have come to believe, to have faith in Jesus as the one and only Savior of the world. And something happens to the one who comes to believe in Jesus as the one who died for our sins, rose from the grave to give us life, and who sets us free from our past. We call it justification, the moment when we make the choice to put our faith in Jesus and decide to follow him. Taking that leap of faith sets us on a new path, a new way of living that is defined by intentionally learning to live a different way than the world around us seems to endorse 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. People who put their faith in Christ are new creations. That work of recreating comes from inside of us. When we make that decision, we open our hearts to Jesus, and he gives us the Holy Spirit to come and make its home in our hearts, reshaping us back into the image of God we have allowed to get pushed back or covered up or at the very least become blurred. The Apostle Paul writes in 12, Romans 12, 1-2, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. By the mercies of God... Which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul constantly points to the changes we will face that will happen for the true believer as the Spirit works within us, making us into true disciples of Jesus Christ. We will be transformed from what we were before our faith in Christ, living in the world and being conformed to the world's values, into people who live out the message of Jesus, a message of freedom and hope, of peace and joy, of living a life marked and filled with love and if we look carefully we can see this transformation in people who truly follow jesus this transformation from who we are before jesus to who we become after we decide to follow christ and that usually doesn't happen overnight but like a piece of art takes time to create who we become as disciples of jesus christ makes us all a work in progress sometimes taking a lifetime But the world should see these specific transformations in the life of a true disciple, and we call them the marks of a disciple. And although there are different lists depending on where you look, I've kind of narrowed it down and focused in on these six. A transformed heart, a transformed mind, transformed desires, a transformed will, transformed relationships, and a transformed purpose. So we're going to take each one for the next six weeks and see what they mean for us in our daily lives as followers of Christ. This will give us the opportunity to reflect on how we see these transformations in our own lives. Making the decision to follow Jesus is a decision to live a better life one that makes us whole and complete. And understanding the transformations that mark us as followers of Christ helps us live the life we were called to live, a life full of the love of God with abundant hope and peace. And it's not an easy road. But when we commit to working with the Holy Spirit, that transformation does happen and there is joy in the journey. So the first mark of a disciple of Jesus Christ is a transformed heart. And this can be tricky for us English-speaking people to understand because we have our own definition of heart. See, when we say heart, we think of our physical heart, of our love and our emotions. We make the sign of a heart to say, I love you. It's the symbol of Valentine's Day, a day to celebrate love. The Bible uses the word heart 883 times and it can mean the seed of our emotions like love but it's way more complex than that that word encompasses so much more than just our love or our emotions it is our inner being our mind and our will It is all of our understanding, our soul, our conscience, the seed of our moral character, our appetites, our emotions, our passions, and our courage. So when Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, he's really saying with our entire being, with everything about us, all our choices, our feelings, our knowledge. It's not just that touchy-feely love. It's being all in. Back to where Paul says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Giving our hearts to God through our faith in Christ means loving God with every part of our bodies and our lives. That love is seen in our transformed heart, the core of everything we really are. If we think about the condition of our heart before we put our faith in Jesus, our heart has really been focused on other things. If our heart is focused on what we'll call the world standards, then we are really living for ourselves, doing our best to make sure we come out on top or survive. It's all about us and we make our decisions to get ourselves in a better position over others or to satisfy our own personal passions and desires, and that is collectively called our sinful nature, remember that sin is has power over us, making us think we're doing okay, giving us reason in our own minds that it's okay to do what we believe will make us happy or give us momentary pleasure. Oh yeah, we can have casual, intimate relationships and just hook up with someone. Who does that hurt if it feels right at the moment? We can make those deals that work in our favor, even if they might put good people out of work. It's everyone for themselves, right? We can say what people want to hear to get elected into an office of power and then do what we want, right? Who does not hurt if I don't actually do what I say it will? There are many ways the world operates that we know aren't the way Jesus calls us to live. And while our hearts are conformed to that world, sin has power over us, helping us justify behavior that not only harms others, but is killing us too. Until we stop just going along with the world and all that it tells us is right, and recognize all that sin for what it is, our heart the focus, the core of all our thoughts, our choices and actions will be stuck in that sinful nature, that sinful way of living, the ways of what we call the world. See, our passage today is just such recognition. A lot of the Psalms are believed to be written by King David of Israel, and we can't prove that for sure, but with Psalm 51, it is almost certain In case you don't know the backstory, this psalm was written after the prophet Nathan came to call David out on the sin in his life. David was a man of great faith. In fact, he was called by God himself, a man after God's own heart. David himself attests to God's protection while he was a shepherd as a young boy, keeping him from being killed by lions and bears while he was watching over the sheep in his care. God has Samuel anoint him as king over Israel while he was still a shepherd. He gave him victory over Goliath with just a slingshot and a stone. He saved him from being killed by Saul on a number of occasions and gave him ultimately the throne of Israel. God made a covenant with him that he would always have an heir to the throne from his line. David was special to God, and David loved God with all his heart until the time he allowed his heart to get turned to the world. Sometimes power can do that to us, turn our hearts to the world's values and away from God's values, and that's What seems to have happened with David. He saw Bathsheba, one of his best friend's wives, and let his passions overrule his love for God. He used his position of power to sleep with her. And then when she became pregnant, it led him to having her husband killed in battle, making it look like a tragic war-related death when it was really intentional murder. God sends Nathan. To tell him this sin did not go unnoticed. And just because he was favored by God didn't mean there would not be consequences. There are always consequences to sin. And David has a moment of clarity. Sees that his heart was not in the right place, that he had turned his heart to the world and away from God. And in the moment he recognizes what he has done, seeing his sin for what it is, he repents and turns his heart back to God. See, Psalm 51 is his appeal to God for forgiveness, his admission of guilt, along with his confidence and trust that God will make his heart right again and restore him. He begs for a transformed heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This psalm, though, tells us more about who God is than about David's sin and remorse. God knew all about David's mistakes, and even though he doesn't give him a free pass from the consequences of that sin, he does send Nathan to help him see how his heart was not right, that it needed to be transformed once again into the image of God. We call this act by God grace. God not letting us go, not allowing us to be under the power of sin when there is something better for us. David knew that only God had the power to transform his heart, to make things right again. And in this psalm, we see his absolute confidence that God will not leave him this way, that God will give him what he asks for to restore him and save him from himself. What was true then is still true today. That's why God sent Jesus, to let us know that he will never leave us under the power of sin in the world. God makes a way to restore us to who we were created to be. And the only way to get that transformed heart is to turn our hearts, our whole beings, away from what the world wants for us and tells us is best, and turn them towards the love of God and allow ourselves to be recreated in the image of God, the very image of love. We need a new heart, and only the love of God can give us that heart. But we have to be willing to receive it, to recognize that we need it. Since I worked at Shock Trauma in Baltimore for four years, while I was thinking about all things heart, I thought about heart transplants. See, we usually ended up with people who were donors. And I was privileged to be in the operating room once while the heart and other organs were harvested to send to people who needed them to live. And in my research, I came across the story of a woman in Texas who was suffering from heart failure. She had struggled for many years because she just didn't want to consent to the transplant, afraid of what it would would happen what would happen to her, afraid of the surgery, afraid of the treatment that she would have to endure for the rest of her life. No, nope, I'll just keep going on this way, even though it's tough, and it finally became too hard, and she took the step of saying yes to the transplant. She waited on the list for 18 months with an external pacemaker, just trying to survive until her new heart would be ready. She prayed, and she had faith that God would get her through, and when she got the word that her heart was on the way, she was excited and happy and nervous. And as soon as she woke up from the surgery, she could feel in her whole body that it was working well. No more high blood pressure, no more struggling to breathe. She would be able to live a better life. Her whole life had been transformed with this new heart. Later, she was able to meet the mother of the young man who had given her this new heart. She knew the cost of that donation. The only way she could get this new heart and live is because this young man had died. This made her new life so much more precious, and she was determined to live that life to the fullest in a way that honored that young man's donation. See, Jesus died to give us our new heart, that new life. How will we honor his sacrifice? All it takes is consenting to get that new heart by putting our faith in him by saying yes to the transformation that only god can make happen within us turning our hearts from the world and turning away from those desires and passions the power and the greed the everyone for themselves way of living turning away from sin and turning our hearts to jesus gives us a way of living and the freedom to make a different choice that gives us a new life. We see this transformation in action when we intentionally choose a different way to respond to the world in our daily lives. When anger rises inside of us and we're tempted to lash out, we choose instead to take a deep breath and remember God's love for us and for the world and look for a way to release that anger and be loving instead. When we see abuse happening, instead of walking by and saying it's not our problem, we answer the call of a disciple to stand up for justice and for those that are oppressed and we do something. When we are tempted to let someone else take the blame for something we did, we remember that God holds us accountable and step up to accept the consequences. When we're tempted to indulge in substances or behaviors that will harm us, or have the potential to give way to addiction we will remember that our bodies are the temple of God and make choices that keep us free from the consequences of those actions. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus reminds us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. He also says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Take a long look at your values, what you treasure in life, and see where your heart is turned. Give your heart whole heart to God, your whole being. Let the love of Jesus give you a new heart, transformed to reflect the image of God. Make Lent the time to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Make the choice to live with a heart fully turned to God, transformed by the love of Christ. Amen.